Okay, well, we are, we are in John chapter 15, and we're going to... Uh, this is one of those places that uh, I have a problem with how they broke the chapters up. Because, you know, guys sat down and they said, okay, we want to put a chapter break here, and then, then we're going to... And, and so when you look at this, this part, it, you really, the first four verses of 16 really go back and clarify what he's talking about in chapter 15. So we're going we're gonna to finish 15. We're going to bump into 16 for the first four verses. And I want to remind you where we're at. The Last Supper's over. Jesus had said, uh, let's go. And they, they left the east gate, and they went down into the Kidron Valley, and Jesus last talked to them about, uh, about being fruit bearers, because they were walking by a vineyard, and, and he said, look at the grapes. He said, I want you to be fruit bearers for me. And he talked about the pruning process that it takes, and that's between you and God, right? As God trims us up. But then he says something really interesting uh, as he gets into uh, chapter 15 and in verse 13 he says, greater love has no one than this that one would lay down his life for his friends. And then he says, you are my friends. And he goes on to talk about how a friend will lay down their life. And he, he's really challenging them and saying, are you willing to lay down your life for your friends? Lay down your life for these other 12 or other 11 that are here. Are you willing? Because he knows what's going to happen in, in a couple hours. Everybody's gone. Judas has already left to betray him. Peter's going to deny him three times. When the soldiers, or when the uh, temple guard come to arrest him in just a, just a couple hours from now, they're all going to run away. And he says, are you willing to lay down your life for a friend? And then in this next passage that we're going to look at today, he says, I want to prepare you for what's to come. I want you to be ready. Because the journey ahead will not be easy. The, the, what, I, what you have seen with what's happened to me in the last three years that you followed me is going to happen to you. And I want you to be ready. And this goes for us today. Are we ready to follow Jesus when things aren't wonderful. Are we ready? So let's turn to John chapter 15, and we'll read this passage, and then we'll, we'll talk about what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world... But I chose you out of the world because this world hates you. 
Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But they have done this to fulfill the word that is written in the law. They hated me without a cause. When the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, that is the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify about me and you will testify about also because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. They will make you outcasts from the synagogue. But an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father or me. But these things I have spoken to you so that when their hour comes... You may remember what I told you of them. These things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. Well, Jesus is doing what he has done so well through the last three and a half years with these men is he is telling, he is, he is teaching them as they go along. And he knows the time is short. I need to prepare them because why? I'm no longer going to be with you. We saw that earlier, didn't we? He says, I'm going I'm to leave, but I'm going to go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to send who? The Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And he's going to come and he's going to be with you. But here he warns them. The world will hate you. Because why? You're not part of the world. You're not part of the world. Now, I want you to understand, you can be in the world, but not part of it. You know, we, live, we, we have to function in this world, we live in this world, but we don't have to be part of it. And Jesus, is, he explains to them, they hated me first. Now, why? Why does the world hate Jesus? Well, I want to give you a couple things that help us to understand, and I forgot my clicker this morning. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to, we'll make the handoff. Here we go. See, those thighs still work. It should be in the little cup. It's in the cup. Boy, I tell you what, when the preacher just, you know. Yep, that's all right. There we go. Here we go. Get that work out this morning. Actually, that feels pretty good. Get a little. Anyway, maybe out of preach running up and down the aisle. Oh, we, I'd be in big trouble then, wouldn't I? All right. The first thing I want you to understand is 
The world hates us because the world belongs to who? Satan. This is Satan's domain. When Paul was talking to Felix and he was explaining why he went to preach to the Gentiles, he said this, to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness to the light and from the dominion of who? Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. You see, this world, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through, right? Amen? This world was where Satan got cast to. When Jesus threw him out of heaven, we think, oh, he threw him down to hell. No, he threw him to the earth. He, he rules the, the heavens leaves between here and heaven. Daniel talked about that, didn't he? There was a battle that went on for 21 days as, as God sent him the answer through the, through the messenger, an angel, and he says, I got hung up in heaven. And, and, and for 21 days I brought you the answer, but I had to fight my way through. And, and Satan hates Jesus. Because why? Satan wants to be God. And Satan, believe it or not, has read the word. And he knows how it ends. And he wants to wreak as much havoc as he can. And so he turns to the world against those who love Jesus. Revelation chapter 2. When Jesus is writing to the church at Pergamum, the church at Pergamum, it says, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Antipas was a martyr, one of the early martyrs in the church. And he says that was Satan's doing. It was, uh, some of you may not realize how close Satan is to us. Did you know that we have an organized Wiccan here in Albany? I was like, what? But Google it. Well, you may not want to Google it. Have somebody else Google it for you. Because you don't want that stuff on your computer. But we, we literally have... Uh, an organization of witches in the city of Albany. I, when I saw that, I said, Satan's throne. What are they doing? You think they're praying against the church? Oh, absolutely. You think they're recruiting other people to come along? So, oh, that Jesus stuff's all fake. They're recruiting people to come along with them. Oh, it's okay. You don't have to believe in that stuff. Satan hates Jesus. And in the same way, the world hates us because we love Jesus. And you can, you can, see, you can see what's happening today all across our nation and really all across the world. Over 5,000 
Christians were killed last year because of their faith. Another 5,000 were thrown into, into prison for their faith. And that's happening in our day and age. You say, but well, we, don't, we don't see anybody going, going to uh, prison because of their faith here in the United States. But hang on. We're going to see a couple verses that I think will, will come to fruition in our lifetime. But one of the wonderful things about this is what Jesus said in verse 19. Look at verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world... I chose you out of the world. And sometimes that's hard because it can get kind of nice in the world. You get lots of pats on the back in the world. Oh, you're doing such a good job. You're, you're, you, know, you can get lots of, of accolades in the world. But Jesus said, I've chosen you out of the world. And we need to be out of the world. 1 Peter 2 tells us Come on. 1 Peter 2:9, but you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation a people of God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Aren't you glad that you get to walk in the light? I mean, you know, people say, oh yeah, sin is so great. I, I don't remember it that way. Sin was full of darkness. Walking in sin was, okay, you know, where do I go now? You run into walls. That, that hurts. It's kind of like, anybody, anybody know why God made the little toe? To find furniture in the middle of the night. <laughs> right? Yeah, or yeah, you know. You know, you get up, you try to be, you know, you try to be nice, you're not going to turn on the light. Oh! And that'll, that'll, that'll tell you whether you're sanctified or not, right? But he's called us to be different. To be royal. I mean, look at, the, look at the phrases that he uses for, the, the, for us as believers. We're a chosen race. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a people of God's own possession. I mean, if that doesn't fill you with a little bit of joy, I don't know what will. I mean, we, the fact that he's chosen us to be part of his family to live in. But there's a responsibility that we have, isn't there? Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. It's easy to be, I mean, everybody's doing it. 
I mean, I, my parents, I bless their hearts. Yeah, I was the last of four. And uh, I think my other three wore them down. You know? And, and I came along and, and man, I said, but mom, you know, you got to remember, this is, this is, I was a teenager in the 70s. Everybody's doing it. You're not. You're not everybody's child. You're my child. You know, and he says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, which is good and acceptable and perfect. Why settle for less when you can have the best? And the best life we can have is in Christ. But yeah, it does take some work. It does take being different. In 1976, how, how many remember what was going on in 1976? Any, yeah, right? You know, some of you do. Hunter doesn't. He's <laughs> yeah. In 1976 was, was drugs, rock, and roll, right? Drugs, sex, and rock, and roll. That's what it was, right? You know, tune in, whatever the, whatever the thing was of the day. And anybody remember your hairstyle in 1976? Yeah, okay. Well, Dean, Dean, Dean and I had hair back then. And, you know, I, it was, I didn't have really long hair, but if you, if you saw some of my pictures from the, from the 70s, you would like go, man, that pastor didn't look too bad with hair. But, you know, you know the long sideburns and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And in 1976, I made a, I made a decision to go to Liberty uh, at the time it was Liberty Baptist College. It's now Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. So I packed up, put, got my, my, my foot locker, got on a plane, first time on an airplane, land in Lynchburg, Virginia. Now, they had a dress code. Remember, this is 1976. What was everybody wearing? You know, whatever they darn well pleased. And so I got there, and their dress code was, the hair had to be off the ear, off the collar, no facial hair, and you, you couldn't have your uh, sideburns below the, the uh, middle of your ear. And guys had to wear ties to every class, and girls had to wear dresses. And to top it all off, if you were a freshman or a sophomore, you could only double date. You couldn't go on a single date until you were a junior in college. So I left in 1976, I left Oregon, the middle of the hippie movement, with, with all of my friends from high school who were tuning in and doing whatever else they were doing. And I came back the first year, I came back to work during the summer. And these guys looked at me and they went, where have you been? Did you drop into like a time warp to 1992 or something? 19... 1952, you know, you, you know, what happened to your hair? Yeah, and, and I said, well, I, I'm going to a Christian college, and this is what we do. And they're like, really? I mean, they're like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. 
yeah, you're, 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 way off, you're way off base. And it was interesting because it didn't bother me. You know, I, I was like, I'm the happiest I've ever been because, because I was learning what, what the Bible meant and I was learning how to apply it in my life and, and God was changing me from the person that I wanted to be or person that I had been to the person that he wanted me to be. He was calling me out of this world. Well, one of the other reasons that the world hates us is because we have peace in the midst of tribulation. You know, God promises that. He doesn't promise to always take us out of the tribulation. He doesn't promise to keep us away from problems. But we can have peace in the midst of turmoil. And so many times in my life, it's like something came along and God has said, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I've got it. And you know what? He had it. He took care of it. And, and people say, why aren't you upset? Somebody, somebody, you know, somebody took something that you should have had. God's got it. He knows what he's doing. And he has restored many times over things that people have thought, oh, well, that, you were wronged. You know, that's the problem we have, you know, when, people, when we feel like we've been wronged. God, why did you allow that to happen? Because I wanted to get the glory. You know, it's amazing how people approach things when they know who Jesus is in their life. You've got cancer. <gasps> the world, right? Isn't that the way the world responds? Oh, I'm going to die. But we're like Paul. Woohoo! Because to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean we don't go out and, and, and seek to be healed. We don't go out and get the medical intervention that we need. But we know how it ends. And I have been beside the bedside of many saints, and I watched them slip from this world into the next with a smile on their face. Finally home. Because all the time we spend here on this earth, most of it's about things, isn't it? Most of this world is about things. I want a bigger house. I want a bigger car. I want, I want a better position at work. I want prestige. But when death comes, what happens to all of those? They're all gone. Somebody's going to live in your house. Somebody's going to drive your car. And somebody's going to go down to Goodwill and they're going to buy your clothes. And they're going to wear them. Right? You're going to take them with you, right? Dig a big hole, right? You know, the, I, you heard the story about the lady, who, the husband said he wanted to be buried with all his money. And, and so, so when the time came, the wife wrote a check for all the money he had in the bank and dropped it in there. 
last wishes. But we can't take it with us. We're, you know, and as, as Hunter so wonderfully preached this last week, we have a treasure someplace other than here that, we're, that we are investing in. And that's really what, and the world cannot understand that. The other thing that the world can't understand, the world hates you because you found the remedy for sin. Does the world enjoy sin? Maybe for a little bit. You know, I, I, for 31 years as a police officer, you know, I would meet people and, and uh, you know, they would be obviously be drug addicts. They would have needle marks all up and down their arm or they would be, you know, be somewhere in an, an addiction. So, you know, it was pretty cool when I first started. You know, that first high was, was, was really neat. But now my life is so messed up. I, I am I'm literally battling from fix to fix. That's sin. The pleasure, uh, oh, I'm going to go out and have an affair. And then you spend all of your time trying to hide that, right? Oh, sin is so much fun. Sin, and the world understands sin. Don't, don't ever think they don't. Because John tell, will tell us in chapter 16, the Holy Spirit does this. And when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. You see, people know whether it's right or wrong. And as it eats their insides out because of their sin, you ever seen anybody that, that has been trying to cover things up? What happens to their physical state? Oh man, they're just a bundle of nerves. They're afraid, oh, what did I, what was the lie I told last time? And you watch them physically, their heart races. They, they can't sleep. The Holy Spirit convicts them of sin and we have the remedy but they don't want to believe it. They don't want to believe it. Well, not only does the world hate us, but I want you to look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will what? They will persecute you. They will persecute you. The world will persecute you. Now, we can talk about what is happening, on, happening around the world with persecution, and I, I threw out a couple of, of stats. But I want you to understand that the world will persecute you here. Here, Jesus promised it. He said, and the closer that you get to God the more the persecution would come. You know, when God begins to change your life, it's amazing how much people don't want to hang out with you anymore. 
you know, you go back to the place where you used to hang out and see, you know, anybody do class reunions? Oh, yeah, class reunions. What year, Michael? Now, what year did you, what the last class reunion you went to? Um, are, are you, you're, you're probably 30 something? You went to your 60 year? How many, how many, how many folks were still there? I'm sorry. How many folks came back? There's getting less and less. But it's, you, you kind of look around and you're like going, wow, they didn't age well. Oh, that's, I was in the bathroom looking in the mirror. No. You know, we look around us and we see that. And and it's like your friends that you used to hang out with, they're like, oh, you're one of those now. You know, it's really interesting going from being a cop to being a preacher. (laughs) Yeah. I see some of my own, what are you doing now? Because, you know, cops, all cops like to do is retire early, right? I, I retired from the police department at 53. We just, yesterday we had a uh, memorial service for one of the sergeants that we, a bunch of us worked with. He died in November, but they had a memorial yesterday. So I was there with about five or six other cops. And they're, they're all, they all retired about either before me or about the time I did. And they're like going, oh, you're a pastor now. Okay, I'm going to go over here and talk to these guys. <laughs> it's interesting. You know how, you know, oh, do you remember the, you know, it, 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 and it's, it was very interesting, you know, because also everybody wanted to talk to, well, remember in 19, 1986, and we were out on this call, and I'm like, going, "What are we talking about? You know, what are you, what's, what's happening in your life today?" Well, not much. But you know, we can be persecuted, and we will. Uh, first, uh, Second Timothy. Here's Paul. He's a, he's the aged evangelist that is is writing to Timothy, his young protege. Paul's at the end of his life. Timothy's at the beginning of his ministry. And, and Paul writes to him, now, my, now, you followed my teaching, my conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my perseverance, my persecution, suffering, such as happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. Boy, isn't that, you know, hey, I want you to be like me. Whoa, really? Uh, but he says, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. You, you know what he's talking about here? Remember the time that, that they threw him out and they stoned him and left him for dead? That's one of those persecutions. But what did God do? I'm not done with you yet. Come on, get up, Paul. I'm going to heal you because you have more work to do. And, but look at verse 12. Indeed, all who, some, all, all who desire to do what? Live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So if you're not being persecuted, 
you may want to be asking you the question, are we on the front side of this? All who desire to live godly in Christ will be persecuted. And folks, it's not going to get any better. In Luke chapter 21, this is a parallel passage to Matthew chapter 24, where uh, he's talking about the time of tribulation. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and will persecute you, delivering you to the synagogues, the prisons, <coughs> and bringing you before kings and governments, governors for my name's sake. It's coming. It's not going to get any better. You know, we need to understand that. That the persecution will come. And it will probably get worse as time draws to an end. Now I want you to look at chapter 16, and this is why I believe this goes into chapter 15. Look at verses 2 and 3. And they will make you outcasts from the synagogue, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think they are offering service to God. These things they will do because they have not known the Father of me. I want you to understand, not only does the world hate you, and not only does the world persecute you, but religious people will hate you. Religious people. Now don't, don't get this mixed up, folks. There's a lot of religious people out there that don't believe in Jesus. There's a lot of religious people out there. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't believe me, go up to a Muslim and say, Hey, are you covered by the blood of Jesus? And see what they say to you. Religious people, and not just people who have this whole idea of a whole nother religion, but people who call themselves Christians, right? You know, uh, it was, I was doing, as I was studying for this, I had heard, you know, the, and I knew this, but, you know, all of the Ivy League schools, Harvard, uh, you know, Dartmouth, Cornell, all of these universities back there, you know, what they all, they, you know what they all started as? They were Christian schools. They were all Christian schools that were designed to teach pastors to go out and preach the word of God. So just for giggles, I went and I got on Harvard's website. What is your mission statement? And it was like, woohoo! It was like, wait. So I said, well, wait a second. Let's go to the Harvard School of Divinity. Right? Did you know in their mission statement, they do not mention, they do not mention the name Jesus? Anywhere in their mission statement. Matter of fact, it said, they, they embrace the diversity of religion uh, of uh, religious studies. 
Harvard. You see, there's a lot of religious people out there that don't want, to, don't want you preaching Jesus. Some denominations have taken out the ver- all the verses in their hymnal that talk about the blood of the cross because it's offensive. And when you stand up and say, I believe that the word of God is the inerrant scripture. God breathed from cover to cover. And that's what we preach. We, we preach that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And they're like, well, maybe. But you can work your way there. If you, if you believe in social justice, I just watched a church that I was part of um, for, for about four years. And I kind of had a warning because a year ago, a friend of mine that I, that I knew that was still in the church, I, I, I met him and they said, we're really concerned. Because for the last year, the only thing they can think about is social justice. And I got a letter from, uh, from the church saying, we've decided we, we can no longer uh, keep our doors open. We're closing. They preach the social justice. They, they preach the social gospel. And, and, and it doesn't work. Because the only way to Jesus is through, uh, the only way to God is through Jesus Christ, his son. And Isaiah, he warned about this. Isaiah 64 or 66, he warned about this all the way back in the book of Isaiah. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word. <coughs> Your brothers who hate you will exclude you for my name's sake. Have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your glory, but they will be put to shame. What, are they, what is that saying? It's saying that when they exclude you, they'll say, oh, we're doing it for the glory of God. I, I, you know, it's amazing how many times uh, you know, somebody, will, somebody will call me up <coughs> and say, we want you to give an invocation or a benediction at a public event. I say, okay. As long as you understand that I, I am a Christian, and when I pray, I will pray to the, to the Heavenly Father, and I will end it in Jesus' name. And they go, well, uh, we'll find somebody else. Because they're offended. Because, oh, well, you need to include everybody when you pray. I'm like, sorry. That's the way Jesus told us, right? Jesus told us, pray in my name. They'll exclude you. Matthew, and we've already saw the Luke part of this, in Matthew 24, come on, we'll do this, we'll get this. It says it's working. No, the battery, the battery, that's fine. It just, 
Can you? There we go. Matthew 24. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now, who, what is he talking about here? He's talking about the last days before the rapture of the church. And at that time, many, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Now, I want you to understand who, who are the they. The they, you know, so my English teachers taught me, well, you always want to look at who are they talking about, right? So thank you, teachers. Matthew 24, 4 and 5. What preceded this? And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name and will say, I am the Christ and will mislead many. People who, who are proclaiming that they are the Christ. The religious people are the ones when we go back and look at Matthew 9, they're the ones who will deliver you to tribulation. They're the ones who will kill you. They will be the ones who are hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. The, the church, at denominational churches as we look today, are almost all declining because they become religious instead of being followers of Jesus Christ. And that's the sad thing, is then they begin to turn on their brothers and sisters. It was interesting to me when we had the National Day of Prayer at the courthouse. And I was asked to lead the prayer for the churches. And I asked, I said, if you're a fellow pastor or, or you're in ministry somewhere, I want you to come up and I want you to stand with me. And you know what was interesting? Is when I went through and I looked at who they were, the only ones that were there were the fundamental, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching churches. None of the churches that preached a social gospel were standing at the front saying, we're here with our brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for our nation. But that's the way the world is. Now the question for us in all of this is how will we stand when the world hates us, when the world persecutes us, when the religious folks persecute us, will we stand? Because what did it say? It says that a lot of people are going to fall away. But we have the opportunity to stand in the word of God and proclaim it. And that's really where it stands. Is, is we have to believe that this is, this is his word. This is what teaches us how to live in this world. 
And yes, you know, you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose people in your family because you stand and say, I'm sorry, but I believe in the word of God. And I believe what it says. And Matthew tells us also that there's going to be divisions between families, divisions between those that you call friends. But God has called us to stand. I started this message with the fact that Jesus led into this by telling his disciples, no greater love hath than a man give his life for his friends. And that's why we stand on the word of God. That's why we stand out of the world. Not of the world, but out of the world. We stand as a peculiar people because what Jesus did for us. Remember I said we have the remedy for sin? And it's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. We have that because Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross for you. That's how much I love you. That's why I call you my friends. Because a friend will lay down his life 